this Tuesday we have a special treat. I'll be sitting down with my dear friend Kathleen Roach. Uh, you know, if we want a perspective of a college student seeking God, it's a perfect conversation to be a part of. Uh, we'll be talking about what it means to kind of meander towards Christ and how do we find him in the day to day. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good father, and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God, and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. Hi there, welcome back to Trust is My Home. I'm in the Loretto house and I have a friend. That's right, I have friends. <laughs> I'm here with Kathleen Roach. A college student? Would you call yourself a college student? Yeah, and you know what? I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am anymore. Yeah, that's, oh that's okay. join the club. <laughs> yeah. The child of God. Yes, ah. beloved. Oh, um, you know, it's funny because every uh, time I come to record, God has kind of been pretty clear with me that I'm not supposed to plan ahead and I'm supposed to listen and be obedient. So I have just been having a re- really great conversation with Kathleen. Uh, we were talking about... What were we talking about? What would you say we were talking about? Oh, we were talking about dreams. Dreams. About about the voice of God in our life. Yeah. About discovering our own love language with God. Right? So Kathleen, tell me a little bit about tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, um I was a college student once. I I was I would be a junior at Wyoming Catholic College this semester, but I decided not to return uh, for many reasons. Um, but yeah, born and raised in Austin, Texas, uh, so that's great. Yeah, um, Austin, yeah. Texas, wonderful. So can you tell me, what would you, how would you encapsulate your experience at Wyoming Catholic and your experience in higher education? Oh my goodness. Uh, well. It was a great decision to go there. Let's mm-hmm. say that. Like, there were so... I mean, I've just had so many experiences I could not have had otherwise. I mean, at a place that unique, it's like... It's not just higher education. It's, yeah, you know, you have the... Um, Wyoming Catholic, for those who don't know, is... You know, it's all about the classical education. Um, about reading the great books. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I went there partially for that... Um, but also because it's, it's based on three, they're kind of three pillars of the college. So it's the, the faith, the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. which is extremely important to me. Um, and then the great books, and then also the outdoors. And it's just like when you combine those three elements, mm-hmm. 
it gives you something extremely unique and something that like you can't get anywhere else. And so because of those reasons, I was drawn to it. I went there um, and you know, the first thing they throw you into is orientation week, which is three mm-hmm. weeks in the backcountry. Uh, that's what you. That's what you get into. So the very first week is you're you're thrown into the wilderness. Yeah. So actually, it's like you show up, you get into town, and I think it's like they show you around the town for, like, an afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you start a medical course. So it's called WUFA, okay. Wilderness First Aid. So it's okay. just like a you know it's a pretty basic, uh, course. It's I think I took it in two and a half or three days, and so. You know, you have professional instructors who also are students, but they're professional instructors. Right. You know, they go through the course. But um, so that little, you know, wilderness first aid course um, gives you a little bit more like, okay, what do you do? Like if this happens or like, because you're mm-hmm. out there for three weeks. Wow. And for the last week, you're on your own. You know, the instructors are in the area, but you're you're on your own. Basically. When you say on your own, you're not alone though. You're with a group. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're still with the group. So as in like the new, yeah. So the new students... Um, freshmen are okay. just on our own. And the instructors, yeah, like I said, they're, like, in the area, you know, 20, 30 minutes away. Um, but, you know, so if there's, like, something actually goes So wrong, that's actually, like, you know, you can see, like, you have the freshman orientation. It's not just a bunch of classes on how to use Microsoft Word and mm-hmm. their platform. This is, like, this We're is the wilderness. Stuff. So what would you say? <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. Where is it all girls and all boys, or how does that work? Yeah, so... We go in to the backcountry with, so it's all the girls are together. Actually, kidding. Not all the girls are together. So it is broken up by girls and boys, but within, um, since my class was close to 60. Okay. Um, it was broken up into, so each, so all the girls were broken into uh, three separate groups. Okay. And so the three separate groups, um of course have two uh, actually they each have three different leaders and so the student uh, instructor ratio is like well obviously very high it's like let's see three to one I guess okay and so yeah so we're broken into three different groups okay it's just like groups of nine yeah. plus instructors so. so would you say that like what would you say so this is like you go to college and then here you are with people you didn't know before and you have these, you have to survive together in the wilderness. Uh, what would you say you, like, you learned about, like what did you learn during those, like what was the purpose of those three weeks? Um, well, okay, so here. It reminds me, by the way, of Jesus <laughs> going into the desert before, before yeah. his public ministry. Yeah. Do, were you tempted by the devil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't quite say that. But, you know, what's really cool is that for the first two weeks, we have a priest with us. Oh, wow. And so, even like, each of the girls' groups, um, and the guys' groups, obviously, but all of the groups are <laughs> issued a priest. <laughs> we get a priest for two weeks. And so, he says daily mass. Wow. Um, like, on the mountaintops? On the mountaintops. Oh, my goodness. Can we all go back to college? <laughs> whatever we want. Wow. Yeah, to this college, yeah. It's great. Um, but, yeah, she, like, offers confession, um, adoration. Like, if we get into camp early enough... We can just set up adoration, and yeah, in one of the days um, and nights, it was 24 hours of, uh, we were actually on our own, like, you know, we, we were, okay, so we camped at this lake, uh-huh. and then we had this layover day, so we just had a day that we're kind of doing nothing, and mm-hmm. we're like, well, you know, that day is reserved for, it's called solo. Okay. So, it's like, 
you're stationed, you kind of like the instructors sprinkle you like in different spots around the lake. So you're just by yourself. Okay. You know, you have stuff they need. Um, they would come bring us food and that was awesome. But then father would come around and he would just talk to us. Wow. Uh, and then that night, of course, like we weren't like sleeping in the rocks by ourselves. You right. Know, it's, you know. We went back to camp and slept in our own tents. You know, it was silent the entire time. Um, but then we had adoration through the night, and wow. I, remember, <laughs> I remember waking up, and it was my turn. Uh, of course, I I didn't we didn't have alarms, and so the instructors were just waking us up, you know, when it was time to go out and adore Christ. And so I I get out, and it is very cold. But I was like, I'll warm up, you know, it, it'll be fine. And the instructors like, well, do you want to go get your sleeping bag? Like, you know, are you gonna be warm enough? And I was like, I'll be fine. Right. Like. <laughs> Five minutes later, I'm just, like, curled up, like, rocking back and forth, like, I love you, Jesus, but, like, oh, it's really, it is really cold, like, I want to be sleeping now, so. Right. It was just, like, but it went way faster than I thought. Um, no, but anyway, so that's a tangent, but the purpose, were you asking the purpose of the What was, what did you, what did you receive from, from this kind of, your very first (laughs) weeks in college? I mean, for me, this reminds me of, Carol, what you, uh, like, going out with, with young adults and really experiencing yeah. God in nature in a really profound way. It's a very different way. Did you find um, Did you find that it really opened you up to self knowledge as well? I think so. I mean, when you're out there, you're kind of a t- you are a different person. Okay, so maybe I would say like so in the back country. It's I mean in the front country, it's so easy to be like you can kind of pretend to be whoever you want to be. Like you know, you mimic a lot of things people do. You do you know whatever. Mm-hmm. You get that. They're kind of masks. Okay. Uh, in the back country, there are no masks. You can't afford to do that. Because, right. like, if you're having a problem, like, you can't just, you know, go hide in your room. It's just, like, you're right. with all these other people. You're, like, if you have a problem, you're going to, you need to ask for help. You need to do these things. Because at that point, we're functioning as a unit. We're right. functioning as, like, we're a group of girls who don't know what we're doing. And they're, we're in the wilderness for three weeks. Like, you the masks all come off. And so it's, in a sense, um, yeah, it's just like you get to know yourself. You get to know... Um, I love what you said about, like, you can't do it alone. So yeah, um, just kind of chipping away at self-sufficiency <laughs> right at the well, beginning. Well, because we had no... I mean, going into it, I'm sure, man, only... Probably only one or two of us in our group mm-hmm. um, had ever been backpacking. I had never been backpacking. Like, mm-hmm. I've always been super big on the outdoors, and I, you know, right. I love that, but I'd never been backpacking. Um, and so, in that case, like, there, there are a couple of girls who are like, oh, we can do this. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, um, yeah, but really, we kind of all needed each other mm-hmm. to function. And so, what, so, like, yeah, so when you're working as a unit and you can't just go off your, on your own and, you know, pretend everything's fine. It's like, yeah, you need to ask for help. Whoa. The mask has to come off. So I'm just thinking, you know, about this. When we're talking about college, and the first memory that pops up in your mind is this three-week, um, kind of three-week wilderness. I love what you said, the back country. In the back country, yeah. you can't wear masks. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I feel like there's a, <coughs> should be, you know, like a song about the back country. Um <laughs> But I think, do that next time. you know, when we talk about, I feel like the, the theme of this podcast is really like, how do we prepare ourselves to live what God is calling us to? And it's funny that you first, you know, the very first memory that came up to you was, was this three week orientation of being in the wilderness in the back country. So uh, unmasked, 
needing help from others, you know, going in unknown territory, um, still being fed by Christ um, and encountering nature and beauty. Um, that was the setup for you going to college. And um, I think that in kind of bringing this, so, you know, through these years of college and right now where God has you is a place where, would you say you're like kind of really listening for what he wants next for you? Or how would you, so, I mean, we could talk about, we could do a really great conversation deeply about Wyoming Catholic. And I, I am jealous that it was not in existence when I was looking for a good liberal arts college because it, it just seems incredible. And I, I'm sure anyone who's listening like wishes that we were 18 and in, you know, in the back country, you know, because that's just amazing. But let's talk about it now. Well, I just think about, I was just thinking about how <coughs> that's actually such a perfect... So you, you mentioned how there's like this the three the three legged stool you know the faith the outdoors and uh, great books. and and the great books and these kind of you know truth goodness and beauty right um, which is I was just kind of reflecting like right now people talk about vocation and what are you called to what are you supposed to do and prior to recording we had this conversation about how uh, we need to discover our relationship like what is my love language with Christ and who is Christ to me and I guess in this context where where are you right now I mean I know you're here in the Loretto house but um <laughs> you know there's numerous reasons why you left but I think the overall reason is trying to, to be like preparing your heart and your soul and your mind and your body to be ready to follow God where he's calling you next would you say that's correct yeah yeah that's kind of like where I am now because uh, yeah, so when I was thinking about, you know, not returning to college, um, I mean, it was kind of like the circumstances that made the decisions, help make yeah. the decision for me, um, which helped a lot, you know, it was still like, you know, I want to go back, like, I don't want to go home, because there's so many good things, like, yeah, I just talked about, like, all the good things I loved about college, and right. all that, and it's like something that I got used to, and I was comfortable with, and it was always like something new, so it's right. not like, it's not like you're you feel extremely secure all the time. It's like, right. not that kind of comfort, I guess, but it was like, um, yeah, it just felt, you know, good to be there. And those were, that's where all my friends are. And yeah. so in the sense, like, I didn't want to come home, um, but because, like, I had to, uh, you know, I had to find peace with that because I knew that's where I was being called to go. Um, <clears throat> and so I think, um, yeah, like, where I am now is, like, I'm at peace, but it's still you know, kind of day by day, like, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? Like, where am I going to be? Like, I guess I can't uh, make big plans and I can't even, like, you know, there are just a lot of... Um, uncertainties? Uncertainties. A so, lot of uncertainties. So this is really good uh, because um, I guess it, I just think it's, we think of, okay, you graduate high school, you go to four-year college, and then you get a job, and you're not taking that, you're not taking that route. You're taking a route of, um, okay, I went to college, and I'm truly grateful for the experiences and enriched by it. Um, I'm now at this place right now of kind of listening to God moment by moment without really a plan. And as, you know, the theme of this podcast is really kind of like, trust is my home, right? So this sense of how do we let God prepare us to to live what is next? And um, I guess, you know, we can see, okay, what's it like for a mother at home with children? And what's it like for, 
you know, a father, what's it like for somebody who's kind of further along? But here you are kind of in this place of still expectant of what God can call you to and really with a lot of possibilities in front of you. How do you, how do you kind of listen to what God is asking of you in each moment? Yeah, I still have trouble with that, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, is that just me talking? Like, is that me, you know, in my plan? Is that what I'm mm-hmm. hearing right now? Or is that mm-hmm. God? Is it, I don't know what I'm being pushed to do. I, you know, so it's kind of confusing, but I think it's like being in a place of silence helps me a ton. Okay. Um, just like, you know, in the mountains, that's when it, like, all, a lot of things became very clear because it's like, you are forced to take off a mask. Like, it's not, like, what I want. It's like, I need to listen to something greater, you know, you wow. know, and so would you so say that silence is where and especially yeah. you know in adoration like I hadn't been to adoration for oh a couple of weeks um and then last Friday I stopped in on my way home from I don't know where I was right. but I stopped on my way home <clears throat> and just just seeing the face of Christ in a moment of silence mm-hmm. is like something that oftentimes makes things very clear for me mm-hmm um, and just being away from, you know, a normal, a noise or even like, even like, um, oh, we're just talking about, so I was reading, I've been reading the gospel of Luke. Um, and even then it's like, you know, I'll be writing, you know, a kind of almost like a little commentary on what mm-hmm. I just read, like mm-hmm. what struck me, like what, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll kind of be like, oh, like, did, why did, I wonder if it struck me for this reason. I wonder if God's trying to tell me that, like, oh, mm-hmm. and then you try to interpret, interpret so many different things, but it's like. When you just sit without an expectation of, I need an answer now, yeah. kind of thing. Like, why are you telling me this? Or, like, is this you? Right. Um, if you sit there and look at his face without expectations like right. that, a lot of things, it, it helps make things clear. And it's, I think it, you just said something very important. And uh, without expectation. So, um there's this line, you know, expectations are premeditated disappointments. And uh, sometimes we use God. Um, and what I mean by that, uh, when we are in a place of uncertainty, um, which I would say uncertainty unmasks you, right? So that's kind of like backcountry, uncertainty, right? So um, when I'm in a place of uncertainty, I can try to demand the answer. So like, okay, now I'm going to go to God. Like when I'm certain about what I'm doing in my life, Hey, I'm good. But now that I'm uncertain, I'm going to go to God and demand the answers from him. And it's like, what are you trying to say? Come on, tell me. And so there is not even just expectation, but there's almost this kind of grasping. And I I know um, for me, a principle of discernment is um, grasping and receiving. So like my kind of examination of conscience through in the, the end of the day is like, what did I grasp for? Because this is what Eve did, you know. She grasped for what God wanted to give her freely. So when we come with expectation, God cannot freely give to us. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I remember there's a little girl uh, that I was with for a time, and it was her birthday, and she just was like, "Want a present? Want a present? Want a present? Want a present? Want a present?" But the sad thing was, is like the desire for this thing it kind of took away the ability to give. And sometimes we can be like that with God. We can be in a place where, look, God, this is my five-year plan. I want your stamp of approval and your signature, and then I'm moving on. 
And when we're in this place of like, okay, I don't, how do I, I'm not really a college student anymore. I'm in this place where I'm really trying to listen to God and, and take each moment and let him do his work in me. Um, there's really, you know, you can kind of have two different attitudes towards that, maybe three or four, but, um, but kind of uh, like, I'm not an anger at God, but like, you need to tell me now, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really beautiful. He said, when I come without expectation, this is when I receive the most. And I, I guess I'm trying to describe, like, what is that place? Like, what's, what is the place of no expectation? Like, what does that look like? And how do we try to live there? Well, I think it's like, I guess, uh, going back to, you know, when I was making a decision, like trying to make a decision about coming home, I'd go to the chapel. Um, and like I had noticed during that semester, I, the times that I go to the chapel are when I was like, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. but, but at that point I was just kind of, you know, I was making like this noise within myself, just kind mm-hmm. of going crazy over something that mm-hmm. I should have put more in the hands of God. Like you need to, like, there has to be a peace before you can, you know, here, here. exactly. And so during the semester, I started realizing I need to go not only, like, yes, yes, go to God when you need help. That's yes. great. But it can't be the only time because, you know, oftentimes that's when there's the most, when there's an internal conflict and there's not the peace, right. there's not a real silence. Right. The silence is what seems necessary, at least for me. Yeah, no, I, I, there's a word that I, I think, uh, not urgency, but a frenetic energy. It's like a, yeah, it's a, it's almost a little violent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're with somebody who's like, when they're really nervous for something, there's an internal like battle and some people keep it really deep in. I think you're might be one of those people, but, but like, but there's some people that you can see it even in their body. Like they're just, yeah. um, and it's like they just, just like the nervous and kind of, yeah, it's just like, like you just want to say, be still, like be yeah. still. Yeah. And so I think it's really highlighting right now. Um, a principle is that when we are at peace is when we can receive. So peace is a hallmark of no expectation then, right? I think that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah. when yeah, we're... I think that's true. So, but the thing is, that means that to not have an expectation means that we're not living from a place of lack. So the groundwork for living with no expectation is trust. Because yeah. uh, basically what I'm doing then is letting the fact that God is good be enough for the moment. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not personally experiencing <clears throat> clarity or even consolation of the fact that God is good. Mm-hmm. It's like the foundation stone of discernment is trust. Because like that God is a good father and he's not trying to trick me. Like what are the like you in order to be able to go without expectation, um, I have to feel safe or secure or um, that there's something holding me that's not me. Yeah. So when I have to be in control of my whole life, oh the pressure, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh. Like it's just it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Wow. I'm just thinking about this right now that so it seems like if we were to encapsulate that so to be prepared for anything that God wants for us we need to be able to be at a place of no expectation and peace and silence those are three words 
which the foundation stone of that is trust. How would you say, like, how do you work on trust? Uh, let go of control. I mean, that's, that's like what you're kind of just saying. Um, it's really easy to want to have control over a lot of things. Like, it's easy to convince ourselves that we have control over things that we don't actually have control over. And so, I guess first we have to realize that, um, we don't have control over everything. And it's probably not good to have control over everything. And realize, okay, where am I doing this? Like, where am I wanting to control and I don't have it and I shouldn't have it? Like, I need to let go of it in, like, whatever... Where Do you have I a moment it? that you can, like, an example to oh of that? Of kind of a realization that I've been trying to be in control here and I have to release it? Oh, my goodness. Man, I'm sure there are a lot. Um... I can't think of just one now. I mean, I guess because it's still pretty fresh is like leaving um, like just just the entire process of uh, <laughs> coming back home. Um, man, I don't know if I could pinpoint an exact moment right now. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. One one of the things, and I don't know if that's it's something that you want to, like when our physical capacities are not necessarily what we want them to be, our mental capacities. So, so we're like used to a certain level of being able to do something, yeah. and then something comes into that, and we have to recognize. So oftentimes, like why I ask, for example, is like oftentimes, is not necessarily me recognizing. Oh, I have to let go of control here. It's yeah. I've already lost control. And they have to be surrendered to it, yeah. right? So it's <laughs> usually that, yeah. a lot of the times that I've experienced and with others of surrender, it's like when the reality that <laughs> I'm not in control is so blatant that basically I have two options, rebel and just still keep like white <laughs> knuckling it or surrender to the fact yeah. and recognize that I was never in control and I was just fooled and be humble enough to admit that this circumstance or mm-hmm. this this thing that came into my life that's unexpected um it's just reminding me of the truth that was always there <laughs> yeah yeah no, i think it's true like the unexpected things um are the things that what was the word we're using before um not unexpected expectation no okay um, um oh the um when you're going into the uh backwoods and you said it, it was like uh, something yeah. okay but yeah when you're thrown something unexpected uncertainty uncertainty yeah uncertainty um <clears throat> yeah it's like when there's uncertainty it's like i i'm usually not the one who can fix that um yeah good point i'm not the one who can find the certainty in that situation like i like yeah you have to surrender like that's it's funny thing. because I just, that's a great, I'm glad you highlighted that word because I think that people could say that we're in, in times of uncertainty right now. Would you say that? Like, I mean, in the country, in the church, in the world, we're definitely in a time of yeah. uncertainty. And we say that, when we say that, is it because it's now the case or is it because now the, the fact that we, it's uncertain is apparent? It's just made apparent. 
Because I think that yeah. I think that people, um, you can think, oh my gosh, there's so much uncertainty, and then we can try to cling on to areas of uncertainty. So like, let's say um, there's a lot happening that I can't control out there. So I try to find a little corner of my world that I can control. Yeah. Right. So like, um, well, I don't like this uncertainty. So in my house or like in my, I'm going to control this. Right. So I do think it's not like you, you're not absolutely led to surrender. I think we can try to find false certainties other places Mm -hmm. in order to kind of, it's like as a pill or as an anecdote to the, the antidote to the, the uncertainty we feel. But it could be the case that, you know what? Life was always uncertain. Yeah. But God isn't. This is true. So when we put our certainty in anything but God, we're fooling ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what was, um, oh, what's the motto of, is it the Cistercians? Something about, like, the world turns, but the cross stands still. It's like that. Yes. Oh, it's my gosh. That's my, I, I always see that. That's, like, the, the, the only grounding point. So this is really cool, actually. I'm excited. Shoot, I forget the order. I don't know. I might be the sister. I I actually have said that in other words many times, but never realized there was a motto of uh, monastic community. Yeah. But that makes sense. <laughs> that that there is one thing that is certain: that Jesus Christ came and He died for us. And so I feel like really the quest for vocation is to come as close as possible to what is truly certain. Right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily what it looks like. It's not like, okay, I my vocation is married life. Now I will get married. Or like, my vocation is religious life. Now I'll become religious. It's more like, how can I come as close as possible? Or where is God calling me as close as possible to the greatest certainty? And as I'm there, I will find out how I, am, I ought to live. Yeah. Yeah. So what would, how would you say, we said that these are big, big words and big lines. So let's say... It, it's true <laughs> that the cross is the, like, Jesus Christ in the cross is the most certain thing. And it's the thing we can trust. Like, we can't necessarily trust um, every aspect of, like, that, you know, human beings fall. That that we should, like, we are fallen. And there's not a human person on the planet today that is not a fallen human person. You know, there's no new immaculate conception here. Um we are fallen humanity who are seeking to work to moving towards wholeness. So that means that our certainty needs to be in God. We come back to the fact of like, then how do we find him? Like what for you, how do you get close to that certainty? How do you get close to Christ? Like just in daily life, very practically speaking, as you wake up in the beginning of the day, what's your journey through the day? Oh gosh. I think it's like trying to figure out, Oh, we're just talking about this too. Like, what kind of, you know, relationship do you have with Christ? Like, it has to be a personal one. Um, but I've started, you know, because for a while, well, it was when you asked me four years ago, I wasn't even sure, like, who is who is Christ? Like, to me, who is Christ? And you were talking about when I said to you... Uh, yeah, so you'd ask that question. Who is uh, Jesus to who you? Who is Jesus to you? Yeah, so you asked that. And I had to think about it for a long time. Like, I, I just didn't have an answer. But I think... You know, if we can start at a point where it's like, I think I know, like, I, I, I see who he is to me. Um, but it's like the relationship has to get stronger kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to do that, like uh, me personally, I have, like I mentioned earlier, have been reading through the gospel of Luke 
um, and just in particular stories. I can see myself in particular mm-hmm. people um, in the stories. Um, and like, yeah, that's like kind of, um, you know, like that's kind of just seeing through uh, the ways he interacted with different people, like um, kind of in a more removed way at first, because it's hard to it's hard to just go into a relationship with Christ and be like, oh, I know exactly who he is to me. It's like sometimes it is easier to you know read through the gospel and right. you know see like okay through these people, um, like well, that seems interesting. Like that that aspect of it. Um, actually, a long time ago, and I think I feel like a lot of people <laughs> relate to this. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I was reading, yeah, years ago, uh, about, you know, the little girl, um, and Jesus goes in and, you know, he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. That's the reading today in the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but that's something I I really related to at that time. Um, like, yes, I feel like I'm a daughter. I also (laughs) feel like, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a place where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I need God to come and be like, here, come on, come with me, like, pull me up, kind of thing. It's so really a beautiful place to be. It's such a beautiful thing to be in a place where only God can reach us. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, so that's why I was mentioning, like, through so reading scripture, scripture reading which is, re- you said you found yourself in the story, and that's really important because in the end, there's only one story, right? And, yeah. and I've, even, like, the... Um, we talk about the archetypes. There's always the story of the, the Savior that comes to, you know... This is the story. And so what you're saying is that you're, it's finding yourself in the story. And then, um, and, and I think that we also have to realize it's not just spending all day on your knees, right? I mean, throughout the day, I mean, I, I personally feel that, you know, it's also being aware of, you know, your ups and downs and bringing those to Jesus. So how do I know who Jesus is for me? Oftentimes, like, okay, for instance, you're talking about with these girls that you're with um, through these three weeks, being in under in a place of uncertainty and distress, even at a time of difficulty, that bonds people because like, hey, we suffered together. And then you can go back and like, hey, remember that day when we almost got hit by lightning and this happened? Like, there's this like sense of because we went through something that was <coughs> dangerous or even painful or suffering, when, who are the friends that are the closest to me? Those who I have suffered with. And so I would say the same with, I mean, absolutely not even the same, even more so with Christ. In the places of suffering, when I allow him access to those places, I find out who he is to me in the deepest ways. Yes, absolutely in the joys. And it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing that sometimes it's even harder to bring the joys to God. Like we go to Jesus when things are hard, but how often do we like, oh man, that's such a beautiful sunset, you know, and and like learning how to bring Jesus into the moments of beauty of truth and of goodness but but also of suffering and we're so funny humans because we have ups and downs like in one day if you were to gauge all the ups and downs of your day whether it's like you had this interaction with somebody and it hurt or this thing happened there's these moments where like you're hurt you're happy you're sad and it's like to to let god into each moment is then to find out who he is to you you know yeah and so it's not it's not like okay i'm going into relationship with jesus mode okay i'll read the scriptures <laughs> yeah. it's more it's more like like i i know for myself i i'm 
it's a good thing that not everyone sees my relationship with Jesus, but it's it can be as much as like all of a sudden just laughing or um, to give our space. I think it's really, really important to give yourself room to discover your relationship with Jesus that's yours. I am just struck by it that how you might be silly, you might be funny, you might you might have tears, but we have, you know, the rosary, we have scripture, we have the mass, but there's there's this kind of other playful relationship that he wants to form with us. And it's a relationship of, oh my gosh, I just fell or this happened and it was really embarrassing, but nobody else is around except for you, Jesus. So this is really like, I hope you're enjoying this, you know, like, our, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, these moments of like laughing at ourselves, yeah. but recognizing like, I guess I kind of made a rule for myself. I don't know when that I was going to live like Jesus is always like in his gaze, like like he's looking at me. And so like when I'm even mad at somebody or when I, oh, I might be watching uh, like uh, something to numb myself or to like, then I'm like, hey, Jesus, this is what I'm doing. So I'm, that's already true. But it's like, how do we step out of the garden, like the behind the fig leaves and stand in this relationship? Because that's going to be the thing that, teaches us like who he is to us and he's the one that sees me do silly dances that are totally uncoordinated he's the one that sees me like make up songs in this house i mean i feel like god is like (laughs) he's entertained for sure but they're like he needs to be the one that can see us in every moment and like let's break jesus out of church and bring him into the world you know let's he is in the tabernacle and, and he is present there, but how can he be present when I'm like in my backyard and I'm listening to a song and I just want to dance, like just dance, but like inviting him into the moments of our life and moments of release, this is how we kind of grow in a deeper relationship with him and recognize who he is to us. Like he needs to be taken out of the box. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's the one to do it. And I think that when you're even reading Luke or I, I think you really highlighted a part where a lot of people have is like, how do I know this isn't, how do I know this isn't, you know, just me? Or how do I know that we need to walk into this place where we become so secure in a relationship? We're like, yeah, Jesus, this is you. And you know what? If I'm just learning and I mess up, it's still you anyways, because I'm bringing it to you, you know? Um, So I say this in the sense that like, that's a great experiment, you know? Like, let's say you, for a whole week, you're like, okay, Instead of, like, doing this whole mental, like, analysis of, like, was that God? Was it not God? Wow, is that me? Is that God? Is that my desires? Like, just, I'm going to be a child. I'm going to be like, yeah, God speaks to me. Because you know what? Jesus died so the Father can speak to me. So he already promised it in his word. And it, and so he's already said, like, I want to be, I want to talk to you. I want to be in your life. So we shouldn't be surprised if it feels like God is trying to talk to us. And I think... I'm saying this to you as something um, like in a new adventure for you on your in your time home. Like, hey, I'm gonna let treasure hunt for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, sure. Yeah, I, sure. I don't know, but um, I don't know. I don't know either. It's okay. I do believe that um, <clears throat> if we allow ourselves to um, recognize that. Like, maybe even ask yourself at the very beginning, like, okay, what are the things that I say are certainties? So maybe those of you who are listening, um, what things do I claim I have certainty over? And kind of write, maybe write them down. Like, what do I say is certain now? Is that really certain? 
Um, a lot of time, a lot of our life, a lot of our anxiety is lived out of fear of trying to protect a certainty that's not certain. But especially mothers with children, you know this well, you know, um, the fears for our children, the fears for, for you know, those, those protecting those we love, it's, it's trying to create certainty where there is uncertainty. And the only way to really overcome that place of anxiety and fear is to, to kind of hand over my uncertainties and put them in the hands, put them back in the hands of the one who is all good, you know, and it's like Eve putting the apple back on the tree. It's like, oh yeah, maybe I don't want to hold my, the weight of my whole existence, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like that's when she took the apple from the tree, she just took upon herself, like the weight of having to create certainty where there's not certainty. So it's a crazy adventure and I'm sure like people might say, well, you don't understand. I, we still have to pay bills. We have to do this. We have to do this with this, but I am going to be so bold as to say that I believe, I truly believe this, that the more we give God permission in, the more we will see his work. And I do think it's about that letting go. And I don't know if we even talked about what does that look like? What does it really look like to let go for me? <clears throat> It looks like crying, screaming, upset, <clears throat> frustrated, going down to the very bottom of it, recognizing that the very bottom of it is Christ, and then letting go. Um, my surrenders don't look like a neat, you know, like here is a here is the present of my surrender. Like it's so nice and folded. It's very messy, and it usually has to do with like I'm like violently. Um, rebelling against something that I want to be true that isn't true and God isn't covering but I am true and so um yeah good luck every no I'm kidding <laughs> but no I, I think that I, I guess I would probably like end this podcast by asking you a question which who knows what I'm going to ask you no I'm going to ask you um when people talk you know you kind of are representative right now for for many um college students but for you um what does like vocation mean oh man i guess vocation you look at vocations like um kind of just like the course of your life like what are you going to do like what what is your life not, not asking, like, what is your life going to look like, but, you know, in a sense, I guess I think of a vocation as um, something you do for the rest of your life. Like, I know, um, not like a job, necessarily. Mm -hmm. I guess I think of, uh, you know, vocation, like, you know, if you go into, like, engineering, you're going to be an engineer, or if you, uh, you know, go into education, you're going to be a teacher, for you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. So it's like, but I think it's also, or like, religious life mm -hmm. as a vocation. Um, but I think it's not only, I guess I, I used to think about vocation as a lot of like a job, but I think it's also very much integrated with, um, like not only a job, but like you are happy where you're, you are. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like what you're doing is going to be for the rest of your life. I, I don't know. That's just, yeah. just kind of like I, I mean, I, I just think that we need to in general go deeper I mean I I hear too often like this kind of 
uh, anxiety of college students. Like, I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. Like, I have to, like, and it's like yeah. this, like, pushing into it. And I love what we kind of define without desiring to define it is that to come as close as possible to each moment to the greatest certainty, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I know somebody who was, um, who said, you know, when I got married, it's like, oh, the married vocation, like it's a stagnant thing. It's like every single day of my life is living out yeah. a relationship um, that is trying to come as close to that certainty. So it's not like, oh, arrived. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, it's really this, what, like in the end, all the means, all the ways in which we come to God, right? And, and how we express our relationship with God. And um, that seems to be vocation. Like the way, how are you called to express your relationship with God? And that is dynamic. It's dynamic. It's not stagnant. And so this kind of, um, oh, I need to find my vocation. Like, has anybody seen my vocation? I lost it. <laughs> I'm lost it. I'm like looking everywhere for my vocation. I, I don't know where I put it last. I mean, I thought it was in my pocket, but like... Like, this kind of sense of, like, you, like, do you hear the voice of God today, vocare? You know, like, this call. Um, how am I expressed today? How am I called to express my relationship to God today? Is it, like, by not blowing up in, at my children? Or is it, you know, is it in kind of a generosity to others in a moment where I was tired? Um, whatever it is, this is my vocation. And so I feel that we can do damage uh, when we call a vocation something like a, like a an arrival, you know, it's like because it, it puts out undue pressure, and it actually it creates the lie of trying to create certainty where there's not certainty, right? So if Christ is the certainty, the only thing that is unmoving, um, then we're always moving towards Him or moving away. No, I think that's a really good way to put it. And so, <clears throat> I would love if we could take away. Uh, false pressure and lies regarding vocation because I think I see it in uh, high school students and college students especially or those out of college of like this this I don't know kind of like quote-unquote vocation they're supposed to find and um, and also for so many uh, people that right now are living a life um, not in marriage not in religious life in the single life of, of, of like seeking God because it's like okay so if you're married you have a vocation if you're in religious life, you have a vocation. But if you're single, ah, too bad. You know? it's. I mean, it can kind of be that. And then they're like, okay, well, the church will kind of ratify the category. And it's like the lay vocation or like the single lay vocation. But even that to me, it seems like, mm, I don't know. Because there's no such thing as single. Um, we're in relationship always. And so I feel like my quest of discernment each moment, what is that discernment? It's like to not grasp. And to live in a place of no expectation as much as possible before God to respond to him and to seek the most certain thing, which is him. And any time that God strips away a false certainty, I usually have a temper tantrum and then I have to surrender. And it's like this process of me. And what are, when we say um, false certainty, what we're really talking about is idols. We create these other things that we want to be the thing, but God is the only thing. And so I guess ending this kind of conversation, which hopefully is a fruit to somebody, um, go ahead. No, I think, so, no, it's just interesting what you're saying about, like, it's a, it's something that, uh, like, a vocation is something that's, in a sense, new every day. It's like, yes. like, yeah, so not, so it's, anyway, I was just thinking, it's funny, because I've been thinking about, like, okay, 
like where is my home I've been thinking about that question a lot like wow. well, okay where is home it's so awesome like, but I think it's like uh like yes like wherever we're called to be like yes we should feel like we should be at home because if they're if you're not home then you're still wondering like you know like where are you going but I think for at least currently um like yeah my home is in Christ and if that's if I'm wandering, that's fine. If I'm, as long as my home is in him, wherever he's going, yeah, yeah. I'm actually like beaming right now because <laughs> you're actually like bringing it around to the title of the whole podcast, which is Trust is My Home, which is basically what you're just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, no, this, is, true, like, this like, is what you're saying is like, okay, so when yeah. I'm in this place of trust, I'm home. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. So as long as my home cool. is in Christ, which I know it is, like, yeah. I'm not going to be wandering after what I want. I'm going to be wandering, like, not not wandering. I'm wandering with Christ, but it's like I'm home still. Like, oh, that's you're so still, awesome. You're still I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you. You've just, like, I I just love it. This is, this is just unscripted conversation, people. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's been around here. All right. Well, God bless you. All of you have a blessed week. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for yeah. being vulnerable enough to have a conversation.